good morning, good evening, bienvenue, willkommen, au revoir, all our friends. Welcome to the All Windows Phone Insight Podcast number 82. Rafe, I've got it written down. E- Say excellent. hello to everybody. Excellent. You remember yep. it's Windows Phone and not Eurovision, despite the uh, welcome there. You're just back from Kiev and the Junior Eurovision Song Contest, aren't you? I am, yes. Oh, and I'm you- getting confused. And you got the podcast number right, so you haven't been too confused by all the voting over there. Who, no, who was Walter it that won? Walter won, yay! Woohoo! Walter! Walter have never even won a bronze medal at the Olympics, now they win the song contest. Yay! Get to go to the Mediterranean next year. Okay, can I just get this right? You're equating winning the Junior Eurovision Song Contest with an Olympic bronze medal. Well, given that Malta haven't even won a bronze medal ever, but have won Eurovision, yes. Okay, fair enough. Now, while you were out in Kiev, I know you took a Windows phone device with you, and actually you've been using it for a little while, haven't you? That's Indeed, the... yes, the uh, Lumia 625. So um, it's kind of another one of these budget phones, and so compromises in it, but how did you get on with it? Or, you know, Is it a phone you could use all the time? I got on pretty well with it because I lost my glasses halfway through the trip in Kiev. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yes, okay, it's got the 800 by 480 uh, screen, so it's a slightly smaller resolution, slightly low DPI on the um, 4.7-inch screens, I re- remember correctly. Um, but it just meant that I could see everything. So um, we finally found a use for them. When you're as blind as a bat, these big screen handsets actually have a use. Um you know, I, everybody knows that I favour the smaller handsets, but the 625 has got good sculpting on it. It's nicely curved in a sort of bathtub mould. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of enjoyed it. It's not a phone that I would naturally reach for. Um, if you put a whole bundle of Windows Phone or even any smartphone out in, in front of me. But uh, Windows Phone did the job. Um, it felt well. Really good battery life, uh, partly down to the size, but also the slight lower CPU and um, slightly less oomph required for the um, IPS screen. But otherwise... Really little nice performer. So in terms of limitations, we're really talking the process and the RAM. I'm assuming you didn't notice that too much, given there's actually very few apps that are affected by that. And the games, you've probably got another Windows Phone handset on the go. Well, there's enough that do work now. So what you're saying was, was I doing Eurovision or was I trying to play Halo on my phone? Uh, well, Halo now works <laughs> on the 512 megabyte devices. But yes, that's kind of the question I'm getting at. Uh, Yes, games are kept for the other handsets, um, although right now I'm really big on Need for Speed Rivals and the PlayStation Vita, but there we go, and that's only a year out of date. In terms of day-to-day stuff, web browser, camera, function, uploads and stuff, the 625, as as long-term listeners will know, hits the spot. There's not this huge variance that you see in an, if you have an Android device with a 1.2 gigahertz processor and 512 RAM, the difference between that and a Galaxy S4 is going to be absolutely huge. You do not have that discontinuity on Windows Phone, um, which is a boon and a curse uh, because you, you do get the feeling that sometimes the, the, the the larger enhancements, the 1020, kind of just held back just a little bit to keep the chasing pack um, in touch. Uh, but but on the whole, it does what you want it to do. When you take it out of your pocket, you look at the lifetime, you do the job, you put it back in the pocket. It's very quick. It's very fast to use. And I still think that's why the geeks of this world don't like Windows Phone, because they don't have to take it out of the pocket, do lots of fiddly things. They go, look at me, I've got a handset. I can make you go swishy things like in a Japanese anime film. Why am I talking like Yogi Bear? I don't know, boo-boo. Um, neither do I. Yeah, I despair I, sometimes. Oh, I know, yeah. <laughs> Didn't you miss me? And then with the Windows Phone, it comes out, you do it, you go away again. It goes in the pocket. 
Yeah, thank you, Ewan. Uh, it's interesting. I've also used the 625 for a, a bit of time. The limitation that annoyed me most was actually the lack of a, a compass sensor, which has an impact when you're using maps and doing navigation, particularly walking navigation. It's not too bad when you're driving, uh, but if you're trying to navigate through streets, it can be a bit annoying trying to orientate yourself on the map. It also has an impact on the sort of augmented reality things like uh, the, the city lens apps and the live site stuff that's increasingly coming into the here apps. Um, but yes, I think it's a very competent handset. And it's interesting, I, looking at the UK market in particular, and this also applies elsewhere in the world as well, the 625 has kind of come in as the second budget handset. The 620 is uh, still there, but actually in the UK, the 625 has started displacing it as kind of the second cheapest Windows phone handset after the 520. And consequently, the sales of that are, are quite strong. And that's actually apparent from some of the data we're getting from Aduplex and others who provide statistics on Windows phone device sales and things like that. I suspect it will continue to, to go that way. It's kind of that strong budget handset. But uh, while we're talking about budget handsets, there was actually a new Windows phone announced this week, and I'm going to get someone to talk about it. And we managed to fail to introduce him at the beginning of the podcast because Ewan was you know, so keen to talk about Eurovision. You interrupted me. And I interrupted you, yeah. So it's and all I my fault. You mentioned the fact that you've got a phone, you know where the sun is, and you know what the time is. Why do you need a compass? You can work the rest out with trigonometry. Right. Anyway, it's time <laughs> to introduce Steve and get him to tell us about the Lumia 525. Finally, I get a word in edgeways. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> the 525 is completely exciting in one point of view and unexciting in another. It's exactly the same as the 520, which went down an absolute storm in sales terms across Europe, certainly, um, except the fact it's got double the RAM. Why is this important? Because there's the, 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 a percent or so, Rafe will have the full story linked in the show notes of the very the, the most adventurous games um, they won't run on the 512 megabyte RAM devices, but those 1% or whatever the figure is, they tend to be the highest profile. They're the big names that people look for, and they look for them, and they're not, not there on the, in the store on, this, on the 520. I think, well, that's rubbish. The 525 will show the complete list of games, including all of those that need one gigabyte of RAM. So uh, given that my 520 is groaning at the seams with, with get games as it is, and it's a great little device to hand around to kids and teenagers and anyone without worrying about it being smashed and, and food dropped on it, et cetera, et cetera, the 525 looks to take over from that, but with the entire gamut of games lined up. So a great smartphone for, for newcomers to smartphone. A great smartphone for teenagers, for kids, anybody like that, really. It won't satisfy the hardcore geeks, but it's not supposed to. It, it, it'll do exactly what it's supposed to do and do it very, very well. Yeah, that's right, Steve. We should probably say at this point that the 525 is not a, what Nokia referred to as a global handset. It's just going into a few markets, uh, mainly out in Asia Pacific, uh, Singapore, Ooh. China, and some others. Yeah, which is a bit of a shame, really. So there's no plans to range it in the UK or the US, for example. I mean, this happens when the operators kind of request a, an adjustment. So they've probably gone, would like to sell this device, but with a gigabyte of RAM, and Nokia have gone fine. In terms of the pricing, I think there's going to be very little difference between them um, in terms of the kind of bit of materials it's probably only a couple of dollars at most if that in terms of, sort of upgrading the ram chip but steve's right it, it means that it'll run uh, more games to be fair to developers they've done a much better job recently i'm just looking through the uh, statistics now of actually releasing games that run on both sets of devices it's really the older games from <coughs> the first year or so of Windows Phone's eighth life that uh, still have that one gigabyte RAM requirement. Because, of course, back then that's what 
you know all the devices that release were it wasn't until we had the sort of 520 and the 620 come along that those uh, lower devices came out to be fair there was the 8s as well from htc um but there's a sort of 20 or 30 you know quite high profile games that if you're looking through the store they don't work and so it makes sense to to release this device so it, you're right steve exciting i think from the point of view it's the 520 has been the best-selling handset. I mean, I did some estimates the other day. I reckon about 1.5 million 520s are being sold every month and it's now sold more than 10 million units since it launched. The 525 is presumably only going to add to those numbers, um, but uh, it has got a, a relatively limited release. I wouldn't get too impatient because I suspect we'll see the next generation of the 520, you know, the 530 or whatever, get announced before too long. And that will probably be running on the sort of Snapdragon 400 chipset. It'll be much like the, the 1320 is to the 1520. But we've got no kind of official information on that. There's been very little leaks as well. So we'll have to wait and see. But that's probably the one to keep an eye on for being kind of the next big budget device from uh, uh, the Lumia range. I think Nokia have missed a trick here. Uh, with this limited release. First of all, I think the 525 is a wonderful little handset. The the bump up to one gig of RAM um, will pay dividends. Maybe not right now with just a handful of games that rate something like 0.4% or yeah, right. one gig only something. But as we go into a year or two years down, at least 18 months down the line, or this time next year when the 525 is in a lot of people's hands, that is going to be the almost re- requisite uh, value on that one. But here's the thing. The 525 is a new handset. If all they'd done was, here's the 520 with more RAM uh, and still kept it at the 520, it would be a one-year-old handset in terms of marketing and in terms of perception and networks uh, and so on. By making this a new handset number, the 525, they can essentially go, this is new. They can keep it in stock with 520 and people can see a 520 and a 525 and naturally it's going to make the sale of 525 easier. It's kind of like the same thing Apple are doing with the uh, 5C compared to the original iPhone 5. Rather than just lower the price of the iPhone 5, they've created an iPhone 5 with plastic, not metal, given it a new name. And okay, the geeks of the world understand, but for everybody else, brand new phone. Uh, the amount of market share that Windows Phone is gathering is, Rafe, um, looking at the counter stuff uh, briefly, is primarily in the low end, yes? Yes, that's that's fair to say. I mean, depending what figures you look at, maybe even as high as sort of 60 or 70% of the devices are, are low end. So why Nokia are not just going, here's the 525, it's a brand new budget phone for Christmas that gives you more memory for about the same price as the 520. Market share is what the media talk about. Market share needs to go up. We've got 10% and in, in the um, EU5, we're still 5% in America. It needs to get to 10% everywhere as quickly as possible. I believe Nokia should be flooding the marketing channels, PR channels with the 525 as the new budget handset. This little tiny move out strategy that they're doing, they don't have time for that. There's going to be pause when, when we get to it, February, March next year. There's going to be six months of pause because of the reorg and fitting in with Microsoft, which has passed a bundle of regulatory clearances um, this week in any case. Uh, so they need to strike where the iron is hot. They need to get this out in as many places as possible. The 525 needs to be there and in people's minds for the Chinese New Year gift giving season. And it's popping up in Singapore. It's it's also going to be in sale in China. It's actually quite a few Asian markets. It's just not Western Europe 
and America. I mean, I think the simple answer to that is Nokia feel they've got the 520 in place and at the low end, refreshing is, is less important. I, I, I do agree with you. I think it's important to keep those devices coming. The but the six two... device. It's a year old device. She's going to buy it. Yeah, I mean, the it's six two... for kids in the supermarkets, in the streets. The 525 is new. People buy new. People don't buy a year old. Um, so Nokia, at the very least, Nokia should do something very, very small with the 520 and call it the 521. Oh, the 521 exists in the States, of course. I mean, the, the thing I'll say about that, the 520 is only really eight months old. And so getting around to replace it now seems a, a bit misguided. And, you know, in terms of that new factor, you have got the 625 in the Western European market. It's an interesting debate, though. We'd love to hear from the listeners on that, what you think about this. You know, does there need to be another low-end device now or, or is, you know, the, a kind of a future 530 or whatever the number's going to be when it comes out next year going to be sufficient? Because certainly the momentum has all been in that, that low-end area. So, yeah, get in touch. Leave a, a comment on the thread of the uh, podcast post or send us an email or get hold of us on twitter in all the usual places as well Indeed. right then um can we return to music we can get back to music Excellent. let's keep the music scene going yeah not that theme no that's the theme to um please sub uh, nokia mix radio uh, which uh, fails to pick up my favourite Belarusian artists for some unknown reason. Uh, has it's a little bit of a refresh while I was away. Rave new branding. It's like a purple icon now on the screen and and things. But there's there's lots going on with Mix Radio here. There is. I mean, actually, what this is is Nokia Music is transferring to Nokia Mix Radio. The kind of the branding has changed, and there's been an update to the application. And Nokia Music, as I hope most people listening to this will know. It kind of the main reason it exists is to provide what Nokia refers to as mixes or mix radio, which is a, a streaming radio service which you can customize by specifying a number of artists or choose from a kind of a pre made playlist that the experts around the world kind of put together for you. So it might be, you know, British pop or uh, running music or around a theme or a genre or something like that. I've always been really impressed with how well it works and how well the service has been put together, kind of with a mobile-first attitude, no need to sign up for anything, uh, completely free, no ads, and then with a, a premium tier if you do want to get some rid of some you know, skipping limits or have more offline music. But really the new feature here um, is the rebrand to kind of emphasise that radio feature or the mixed radio feature. But the big new thing is kind of this Play Me button that, appears when you first open the app and this is a a personalized radio stream it's the idea that just with a single click you can start listening to music that's customized to you and it's based on your music profile which is created by looking at what you've listened to in the past which favorite artists you've specified and a, a new feature where you can vote up or down on a track or thumbs up thumb downs on a track I'd be really surprised with how effective Play Me has been at actually offering a personalised music stream that I'm interested in and seems to work for me. But it's also, again, getting to this simplicity thing. Just one touch or a single voice command can trigger this. You don't even have to go in and choose a mix to listen to. You just get kind of this immediate personalised radio service. It's not new because there's Pandora and all sorts of other services out there. But um, Nokia, I think, have kind of further polished their offering here. And I, I, for one, have been really impressed with how it's been done. And I also think the, the rebranding makes sense because it's emphasising that kind of immediate personal music element. Steve, you had a spin round this as well. Has it managed to play you, well, I don't know, some Cozy Powell? <laughs> I've been really impressed, actually. One of the things I didn't like about the mixed radio previously was that it was kind of buried two or three taps down 
And now bringing it to the forefront, so I've got it nice and prominent on my start screen. One tap, and I'm into a screen with, a, as Rafe said, a big, prominent, play me button. I tap on that, and things just start playing, and things just start working. And it's surprisingly effective. I, I set up, started it off, I think it was Bruce Springsteen and a few other 70s artists. Yes, I know he's still going, <laughs> but basically 70s artists. And just every now and then, something pops up more recent. I think, oh, well, that's quite good. And I tap on the thumbs up. And all of a sudden, new artists start coming in. I think, this is really rather cool. And I, I, like, I like the look of that. And you can tap through on the menu to find out albums they've done, songs they've done. Yes, you can buy it through Nokia Music there and then. Or more likely, you'll do what I do and, and buy it separately on the desktop, iTunes or Amazon or wherever. But it's a really good discovery engine. I love the simplicity that you can actually ignore 95% of the UI, if not 99%, and just hit that one big pink button and everything just works. So very, very nice job, Nokia. You've made it simpler, better, more accessible, uh, and I'm all for it. It Some... is a bit 90s with a smiley face, though, Rafe, isn't it? Well, I, I, I look at them as upside-down headphones, which I think is a rather clever uh, basis for the logo. I'm guessing you, and as someone who's, um, how can I put this politely, got more specialist music tastes, Yay, but also spends one. more time listening to music and uh, I know you subscribe to Xbox Music and kind of have that a la carte option. You like to be able to choose exactly what you're listening to. You know, a, a streaming radio service probably isn't aimed so much at you, but have you had a chance to try this out? I have, yes. Um, you know, when it takes a number of the artists, and so to give it to give it a fair about the whip, I give it a whole bunch of Swedish artists that, that I listen to, which is at least one of the larger um, record bases uh, in the world. Uh, and it was relatively good. You know, it could pick out artists that sounded a bit like Shirley Clamp and Alcazar and and, and on people, other people that you're not going to recognise, like Yogi Yo and and such like um, and Outrigger. But uh, um, at the same time, great bands. Look them all apart from possibly Yohio. Yohio's a um, lovely big K-pop sensation that he's in Sweden, but his his real name is Kevin. Enough, uh, enough. <laughs> right, fair enough. But what, what I found intriguing was that it, it did then take those and it recommended stuff, but it was always recommending either tracks from Greatest Hits albums or, or staying at that sort of chart big level. There, to me, there is this bias towards we're going to steer you towards big label music and we're going to steer you towards the hits. Now, for the sort of demographic that it's aimed for and who it's designed for, that's perfectly acceptable. But you're not, for example, going to be able to put in names like Hawkwind, names like Cozy Powell, that, and get some interesting B-sides come up. You will probably, with those then, end up with, you would, if you put those in, you, within three songs, you would be guaranteed to get Silver Machine, for example. So it does stay relatively mainstream, um, and even if you do take some obscure artists for saving, it will pull you back towards what you would expect to hear on national radio. So for, for someone who's broad, general tastes, perfectly acceptable for someone who's a bit more muso uh then it it's it's like mcdonald's it's nice while you listen to it but after three minutes it's gone and you've forgotten it uh and you just feel lost and forgotten and want some peter knowledge instead do you think that's a a kind of a common problem with these personalized radio services that because although with a music profile you can do a certain amount to start getting really special stuff it becomes harder and harder the further you get away from mainstream tastes 
It depends if you want me to put my tinfoil hat on or not, Ray. Put your tinfoil hat on by all means. Let's have the conspiracy <laughs> theory. It's all about the evil uh, big labels, is it? If you're no longer able to control chart music, if you have people fracturing and not listening to radio on mainstream music channels, then the record labels need somewhere safe to advertise their music, somewhere that they can control that they know is only going to be the big names. Nowadays, that's online services. Nowadays, that's storefronts. When you look at your recommended music in storefronts on iTunes and Nokia Music and Xbox Music, they're always the, the Oli Murs, the Katy Perry's, the popular beat combo artists, Rafe, uh, that are in the charts just now. So you see these recommended music services and you do get guided towards the big names. You do get guided towards greatest hits albums and big collections. You do get guided to what's in the charts. You do get guided towards what's trying to be sold to the public now. You know, and it's, it's not a huge tinfoil hat, but it doesn't surprise me that companies like Spotify, Pandora have investment from the large record labels um, that they're using as a shop window for the artists that they have invested millions in and want to get millions back from. There's a certain amount of business sense. But at the same time, you are trusting the opinion of a computer program, and that computer program has a lot of inputs. And while I'm not saying that you would deliberately biased towards Universal's latest hit as opposed to some small B-side from an Interscope label, then, you know, I'm wary. Yeah, I mean, I think here... It's not really tinfoil It's not really tinfoil really. It's kind of a chicken and egg thing here. Is that recommendation coming and generating that? Or is the kind of people's listening behaviour, which, you know, the majority is mainstream, you yeah. know, kind of dictating that's how the algorithm, the profile gets set up. But, and uh, these companies, when somebody goes, look, here's £10,000, please make sure Katy Perry's played once an hour. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there is more complexity, I think, to the music industry than many people appreciate. But in terms of the actual app itself, I mean, do you favour that kind of simplicity to enable people to get into uh, a personalised stream, you know, as quickly as possible if you want to do something with your phone you want to get it out of your pocket press the button and go away again so in terms of ui and interface speed is king for me the problem with streaming radio is the skipping the ability the inability to rewind and not know what's coming up uh yeah it's personal choice um i take xbox music it's slightly more expensive it's things like eight pounds on as opposed to five pounds for the premium version uh of nokia's offering uh, because I could just grab albums and I know what's coming up and I can pause, I can rewind, you know, I can skip five five tracks uh, in five minutes and not know that I have to listen to everything now that's presented to me for the next 55 minutes. And, oh, great, another Barry Manilow song. Oh, I've used up my skips previously on Joel Gangles. Yeah! Yeah, I, I think as we've commented before, there are different kind of three different levels of music users, those who are just looking for the free service, in which case something like Mixed Radio works very well, or indeed any of the other streaming radio options. We've just had uh, um, some more added to the Windows Phone platform. But there's also the kind of that mid-level where you want a bit more control. That's where kind of Mixed Radio Plus, where you can have your unlimited skips, comes in. But you you probably fall into that top category who's willing to pay a uh, eight or ten pounds per month subscription, be that you know to Microsoft with Xbox or Spotify or Napster that's just arrived on the Windows Phone platform that does give you that that level of control. And it probably very much depends on how much time and money you have invested in your music or are willing to invest on a on a monthly basis. Indeed, yeah. And, you know, once you have a streaming radio station that can confidently work out that I want to listen to Vlad Koleski, I'm there. Uh, Until that point, I'm just going to download the album. 
Yeah, and it's interesting, talking to the Mix Radio team, it's obvious that there's more to come on the personalization front. I think one of the more intriguing possibilities is actually tying into your location, and so it will know when you're oh, in the gym. Oh, great, 24 hours worth of the proclaimers. Thank you very much, guys. <laughs> well, I think it, that's a cynical view. Thank you, Ewan. But uh, this is the idea that it, when you're in the gym, it will present you with kind of music to work out to or I maybe something different in the office. Miles, yeah. And, and maybe when you go off to the Ukraine, it will give you uh, junior Eurovision Song Contest music, or not, as the case may be. I think no, some, no, some interests it, are more specialist than others. No, it would decide, you know what, you really miss Scotland. Here's letter from America. <laughs> oh, other Scottish artists are available, but please, please, please don't do the beta you wars. <laughs> Okay, so I, I think, suppose we better move on. Hadn't yeah, we? I think that would be a good idea. Horribly, utterly depressed. Oh, apps round up. Okay, Instagram's here. Yay! Uh, Rudy Hune's six tag is still better. Uh, Vine is here. Rudy Hune's uh, six is still better. Uh, and Snapchat is still to arrive, but Rudy Hune's six snap is still infinitely better. Um, dear people who have web services in America, just hire Rudy. Yes. Fair? Yeah. Yep. Right. Uh, next topic. Um, on demand. On demand media. Yeah, I just thought we'd talk about some of the TV apps that are coming out here in our home market of the UK. If you're a global listener, just listen to something else for a few minutes. Uh, we've had four on-demand come out. We've had Demand 5 come out and STV Player, which is kind of the Scottish version of ITV, I suspect. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> well, I don't know. Scotland's got an app before for, for the UK. I'm sure this is all yeah, part of Alex watch, Alex Salmon's master plan. episodes of Taggart. <laughs> Excellent. Although it's geolocal consists of entering a scottish postcode so uh ewan what's the postcode for edinburgh e e okay so e4px or something ch11 yeah, just, just, just e that'll do is this is fine um no to be fair stv have actually done quite a lot of work in stv play they've done a huge amount of work in their catch-up tv service in general over the last uh, year or two uh, and they've after i play i think they're the people who've done the most amount of technology work to, to go into these things and um, channel four have actually kind of overtaken them now um certainly on mobile demand five pixel here what was nice to see is this is an actual genuine application it's not just launching a web browser instance um there are some limitations you can't download video to your handset and whatever you do don't put this into the background because when it comes to the foreground again it'll go oh i'm a new task i'll play five adverts first before you can resume watching your television program uh so there are some issues uh, with with the application, but it's very good for a start. And for those of you outside of the geolocking restrictions, you will still be able to download, be able to download the information and watch episodes of Taggart, as if Scotland can do anything else. Excellent. Well, also the four o on demand, which is four o d and demand five, they're both good apps as well. Yep. I think this is just a reflection of the maturing situation in various markets in the uk isn't the only market to be getting these catch-up tv apps there's still a few gaps itv player but i suspect they'll be along before too long and there's also the sky apps here in the uk interesting to note that the uh, sky app has just launched in italy they are actually separate operating companies so that doesn't guarantee that it will arrive in other sky markets but i suspect those are exactly the kind of uh, apps that the evangelist teams at both microsoft and nokia have been working on and i think they're important ones in some ways the uh, more important than Instagram getting those uh, content ones on, particularly uh, if you're going to be, you know, trying to appeal to local markets. Um, uh, maybe we should just talk about some enterprise apps as well, very briefly. Um, 
we've had WebEx meetings arrive this week. That's kind of a, a web conferencing app, for example. But we've also had Office 365 admin and Office Remote from Microsoft, both tools that are useful for the first of which is kind of really for administrators of Office 365, so pretty narrow interest there. But Office Remote, which has come out of uh, the Microsoft Research Department's a really interesting one. It's kind of like, I would describe, describe it as the equivalent of Xbox Smart Glass, but for Office, you can do kind of remote control of Office applications on a laptop or on a computer from your phone. So uh, the obvious application for that is using PowerPoint, controlling your PowerPoint. So, and of course, that's all there and being able to see your notes, also a virtual laser pointer. But also if you're sharing Excel and Word documents, you can use this app to kind of navigate around them, jump to different sections. So if you're in a meeting and sharing your computer screen on a monitor, I think this is a, a pretty interesting idea. At the moment, it's exclusive to Windows Phone. It is coming to Android and iOS. But when writing about this, I did remark that this is the kind of joined up thinking that I think Microsoft is going to need to do more of if it's to, you know, gain some more market share. I think the important thing here is this is, as you say, one of Microsoft's strengths. Really, when you start thinking about enterprise stuff, the, the other one that for me that springs to mind is Blackberries, um, Blackberry Enterprise Server 10. And you know, Blackberry really have one throw of the dice left. Temporary CEO John Shen has kind of hinted that they're looking at the enterprise market. But this is it. This is this is Microsoft's big play that we start bringing everything together. We, there, there are rumors going on about threshold, single thread, single core for absolutely everything in the next year or two. Uh, and, and this is where the value lies uh, for Microsoft, where if they can get the people who are on their enterprise stuff at the moment transition to the new stuff and then go, look, we'll just bundle it. How about we just bundle a thousand Lumia 525s in? Uh, at the same time, you try them around the office and then you can buy some more and they're all centrally managed. They're all the same sort of categories and they all use the same email and everything. That's where, you know, it's not the most glorious uh, of roles for Windows Phone, but I do think it's one of the roles where Windows Phone has an advantage uh, over something like iOS. Um, and, and yeah, Android is starting to get there, but again, it's not quite joined up. Android is still quite fractured in terms of centralized enterprise management. Uh, BlackBerry was strong, but anybody who's touched the BlackBerry 10 device will realize, nope, not going there. No, thank you. Uh, so nobody's won this space yet uh, for 2013-2014, I think is fair to say. But Microsoft is the one right now who are on base, who are swinging the bat, and who are you know picking up some very good pitches and doing the best to hit this out. Um, an area to watch. Yeah, I mean, these enterprise apps are an important part of that. I think there's some updates coming in the next version of Windows Phone that will also be important. But actually, the kind of the business-to-business side of things um, in the UK and other European markets has been something of a, a success story for Nokia in the last six months. We haven't heard a lot about it because most of the time, uh, companies you know don't want to talk publicly about making a new deployment of mobile devices you know they choose to keep it amongst themselves for understandable reasons but there's a lot of companies kind of on blackberry devices that are, you know looking ahead to the future and going do we need to think about switching now this is a process that takes it takes a while so i think people shouldn't expect it to happen overnight but we're seeing predictions and these are from analysts but also from knocking themselves that's talking about doubling their enterprise share and maybe getting to as much as 20 or 25 percent early next year that's going to be ahead of their kind of performance in the consumer market it then does have an interesting you know does that have a knock-on effect if 
mum or dad bring home a Windows phone device from work and someone else in the family starts using it? Is that a way to kind of increase uh, consideration and preference for Windows phone when other members of the family start buying it? Uh, that's kind of how the BlackBerry thing happened in the youth market a few years back. So I just wonder whether that could happen again. And actually, Windows Phone is already doing pretty well in the youth market. A lot of the 520 sales we're talking about earlier seem to be going to young people. I mean, we're talking in broad generalizations here. So I think this enterprise area or the business to business area is one to keep an eye out, especially as we move into 2014. It's, you know, the range of handsets. And as Ewan was talking about that, you know, there's a choices coming up for these companies who might be on BlackBerry deployments. Now, some of them are going to stay there and BlackBerry will keep selling some devices, but there will be a gradual erosion. And, you know, while a lot of the executives might end up with an iPad or an iPhone, that's probably not always going to be practical for everybody. And uh, Apple has its own issues uh, on the enterprise deployment side, particularly when it comes to developing uh, company apps and things like that. I mean, Microsoft has quite a strong record if you look at things like the company portal and the company hub features in Windows. And I think we're going to see more of that next year as well than the device management side and obviously the fit in with the server side microsoft architecture android is obviously kind of one of the big competitors here as it is everywhere else and if you look at solutions like samsung Knox, i think that's going to provide a significant amount of competition but it does feel like microsoft and windows phone and nokia sort of working together do have a window going into 2014 to really gain some significant share in the enterprise space so we'll we'll have to watch that one i think um that probably concludes our app roundup although we should say there's been a couple of interesting updates amazon kindle for example has got uh, fast resume and there's some other nice bits and pieces coming through uh, the facebook beat has been updated nimbuzz has added support for kind of nimbuzz out that's being able to call numbers not just do nimbuzz to nimbuzz uh, voip calls but there is one last application that i want to get steve's take on um, because there's been an update to podcast lounge and more than that steve you've been looking at a lot of other podcast apps in the latest update to your kind of podcatcher roundup so i guess give us a, the lowdown on that i mean last time you told us that podcast lounge was the app to get if you were listening to podcasts any change out any challenges or what's new in podcast lounge as well well podcast lounge itself got updated today as we record this um with a big maintenance update there's a whole long techie change log on the story so do go look at that but essentially it got better and more reliable and uh, and the background agent is explained better so I, I think it still gets my hearty recommendation as the pick of the bunch but uh that there were started off being 10 pod, podcatchers i was reviewing at the start of the year it then became 12 after i did carbon cast and podcaster carbon cast is a gorgeous ui tiny bit confusing trying kind of trips itself up and you can end up with one one podcast being shown on the now playing screen and a different podcast playing on the media controls on the phone <laughs> i mean the two not agreeing with each other so it kind of trips itself up but i think carbon cash is a lot of promised podcaster is a much simpler affair um so probably good if you just have two or three podcasts and just want to dip in and out and uh, not get too fancy but sort of a podcast lounge for a, the typical podcast loadout which i think is about uh, 10, 12 podcasts for the average listener. I think it handles them best and certainly grabs them automatically the best, provided you can uh, work in having your phone on charge and Wi-Fi at the same time into your daily routine. And in fact, having done this um, new update of 12 applications, um, people then popped up in the comments with two more. <laughs> I'd missed there's two more new ones. So the next round up is going to have 14. And further to that, on Twitter last night, um, Brendan from three happened to mention a 15th. So I've now got three more to add to the roundup. So apologies for recycling old content, Ray. But 
I know some of the words end up being the same, but I do, every time I add applications to the roundup, I do go through and check the version numbers of the existing apps. And if they've been updated, I look at the updates and, and tweak the text and the score as appropriate. So hopefully it's a one-stop shop. If anyone comes to Windows Phone from Android or iOS um, or Symbian, they can simply go to that article and think, okay, I want to listen to podcasts, which is the best, what are the pros and the cons, and hopefully that's a one-stop um, summary of the, the current state of play. But certainly Podcast Lounge is still my, my number one pick. Yeah, having read through all the various options and tried a couple of them, I, I'd agree with that. But I think if you want the ultimate guide to podcasting on Windows Phone 8, actually Steve's article is the place to go. I guess we should insert our obligatory complaint about the fact that podcast support seemed to go backwards on Windows Phone 8 in terms of the built-in stuff. And I really hope it's something that gets addressed in a future update. I mean, it's great to see lots of healthy app activity from the third parties in the ecosystem, but I really feel there should be a certain amount of support built into the platform. Then you kind of get the premium version if you want to go to a third-party app like Podcast Lounge or indeed any of the others. But uh, there we go. Steve, I mean, if you're looking just for the introductory kind of podcatcher, the one you mentioned there that's just good for two or three what was the name of that again well that was podcaster but if i go back to my my summary and bring it up on screen there are some very very nice entrants i mean ipodcast is another one that caught my eye that came out in the middle of the year um up, up currently up to version 2.5 i gave that a 67 percent, and that's certainly very very prettily laid out and very simply laid out um podcast brain is coming on well a, a bringcast which is another of my favorites a really large fonted finger-friendly ui or Perhaps a tiny bit confusing, but I know there's a big, big update plan. It's been very frustrating as a beta tester of Brincast that the update's taken something like six months to come out. So I doubt the developer is listening to this, but certainly Brincast is another one that's uh, probably very good for three or four podcasts, um, and, and everything's just big and bold and friendly, and not so much for the geeks. But when the Brincast update does come out, we'll feature it in Flow and, of course, in the next roundup. But that's another one to watch, I think, apart from Podcast Lounge. And, of course, this is the point where I would say that um, the podcasting on Windows Phone 7 was actually depreciated from when it was on Zoom, which is probably the best way of doing podcasting ever. Uh, and by the time Windows Phone 10 comes around, there'll be no podcasting support whatsoever. So any old app will do, quite frankly. Uh, right, uh, just before we close off and come to the end of our time, right, we did briefly mention at the top uh, of the podcast that there was some data out of Cantor World Panel. Adiplex are doing their usual stuff, and that... 10% 5% number that I briefly brought up. These are good numbers. Windows Phone is still trending up the way. Yeah, that's right. You And that uh, 10% number you mentioned is for the EU5. That's UK, Germany, Italy, Spain, and France. Even within that, there's uh, quite some variation. Spain down on about 4%, Italy up on 16%, uh, France and the UK somewhere in the middle, sort of around the 12% mark. But those are all quite significant numbers. The average is for the first time, over 10%, i.e. 1 in 10 uh, smartphones sold in Western Europe were running Windows Phone. Again, that's really about the Lumia 520 and the 620. That's where a lot of those sales are coming from. But uh, looking at some of those numbers, quite interesting to see Italy for the second month in a row, Windows Phone outselling uh, iOS, for example. Now, that's partly about the subsidy model in, in Italy and they're kind of the market's more towards the low end that's just the way it is whereas in the uk you've got kind of the bigger subsidies and so people are more inclined to buy the more expensive devices uh, i don't think you should actually make a direct comparison with windows phone and ios simply because you know 
they are quite different, you know, one device at the hand versus a whole bunch of devices. But nonetheless, it's kind of the conversation that's going to become more of a theme, I think, next year is particularly in Western Europe, you know, can Windows Phone get to the point where it passes iOS more generally? You know, it's very early days for that. But given the conversation for the last year has all been about establishing third position and beating BlackBerry, it's kind of interesting to see that shift. It feels like we're on the kind of the cusp of a change, much as it did a year ago when we started talking about the low-end devices. But yes, those numbers in Western Europe are pretty encouraging. The US, it's still lacking behind at 5%, and it feels like kind of more effort is required there. The, there has been a bit of recent growth. I mean, it was really quite low in the summer months, but with the 520, the 521 coming on stream out in the US, that's resulted in a bit of a bump. Kind of the bad news is still really about China, where it's been very stagnant. It feels like Microsoft is going to have to work a lot harder to kind of get some traction there. To be fair, that's more about a lot of the local manufacturers being strong and all the manufacturers are finding it tricky out there at the moment. Um, looking at some of the data from Ad Duplex, it's just, again, emphasising that the 520 and the 620, those low-end devices, are making up a, a lot of the kind of active install base, as much as you know, 40% for those two devices, adding a couple more, and you certainly get over the 50% mark. It's taken longer for some of the other recent high-end devices to kind of be seen in those numbers so there's no 925 or 1020 in the global top 10 for example just it tells you it takes a while for those higher-end devices to kind of sell in sufficient numbers to be seen in ad duplexes numbers uh, it's a debate we'll get on to next time i think maybe whether windows phone has a, a high-end problem how is it going to break through in that high-end sell more devices up there and that's what comes out particularly from the ad duplex numbers but uh, looking at the Kantar world panel numbers i think microsoft and nokia have have reason to be optimistic and probably the the biggest you know, one-way glance you can see that if you look in the show notes at the bottom of the article for Kantar, i put together a whole load of uh, charts that show you the patterns of market share over time and for a long time windows phone has just been a thin slice at the top of the bar but if you look at markets like the uk and italy it's getting to the point where Android is still massively dominant, and it is in all these markets, 80% plus in some cases. But Windows Phone is no longer a slither. It's actually a fairly chunky bit that you can pick out and put your thumb over rather than it just disappearing beneath an eyelash. So there we go. Uh, Probably a good way to finish the podcast, Ewan. I think it is, yes. Windows Phone is decidedly chunky in Italy. Yeah, I can go with that. Okay, thank you. We got our headline. There we go. Thank you all there for listening. Headlines and puns there. Uh, Rafe. Yes, Ewan. said... Um, on the enterprise, you said that there was a window for Microsoft and Nokia to exploit with Windows Phone. Did you deliberately plan that pun? I did, yes. Did. I'm glad you noticed. I never let it be said that your research and pun planning goes unnoticed. Unlaughed at, possibly, but unnoticed. Well, always. <laughs> so, thank you, Ray Blanford. Thank you also to Steve Litchfield, who I don't think has once mentioned anything about cameras in this podcast. Well, I thought I'd give people a break, although I, I will say that I'm looking forward to trying the 625 you mentioned right at the top, but I've never seen a Windows phone that large, so if you could possibly send it down, I'd love to give my take on this particular budget device. But you've got, meantime, a, 10, you, you've got me. a 1020, that's quite large. No, the 65 is bigger. Okay, fair enough. Right, we'll get that in the post and you'll be able to read all about Steve's adventures uh, with the budget after my adventures uh, with the budget back on the website, allaboutwindowsphone.com. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for reading your continued support. Eyes and ears, very much appreciated. We'll be back with another Insight podcast next week. But for now, stay safe, stay charged, and we'll catch you another time. Ta-ra for now.